When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, today we got um, Coach Kirk Forrest, the head coach at Mechanicsburg High School. Um, coach, how you doing? I'm doing good, Nick. How you doing today? I'm doing good. I can't complain. Um, we'll try to work through some of these tech issues with my, my lagging internet, and um, we'll test it and see how it goes. So, um, For those of you who don't know who you are, do you want to kind of give a quick background of how you ended up at Mechanicsburg? Uh, yeah, not a problem. I actually, uh, you know, I was a McCainsford kid. I grew up here. I was a McCainsford graduate of uh, class of 2000. Uh, went to Wittenberg University. Uh, played four years of football there. Was backup quarterback uh, during my time there. Last three years, you know, was was the actual legit backup quarterback or until um, my senior year, and then we kind of rotated some younger kids since I was going to be gone there. Um, ended up graduating from Urbana University. Uh, as soon as I was done at Wittenberg, I started playing, or excuse me, started coaching back here at Mechanicsburg with Neil Kasner. Um, Coach Kasner had a lot of success here at Mechanicsburg and down at Harrison and up at Greenview. He's now the principal at Greenview. Um, but he was an assistant at Wittenberg uh, and then came from my senior year at Mechanicsburg. So he was kind of my mentor, guy that taught me a lot in the game of football. Um, you know, when I was at Wittenberg, obviously Coach Joe Fincham was there and the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach was a guy by the name of Scott Isferding. Um, he's now down at Ohio University uh, coaching quarterbacks down there. So a lot of my background, you know, of learning the game came from Coach Kazer, you know, who had the Wittenberg background and you had Coach Fincham, you know, Coach uh, Isferding. <clears throat> and then I went on to be an assistant, or excuse me, I spent three years as an assistant mechanicsburg with 40506, had a tremendous amount of success in those years. Uh, was offensive coordinator for two, defensive coordinator for one. Uh, became the offensive coordinator at Ben Logan with my first teaching job in 07. Then uh, 08, 09, I was the head coach down at Bloom Carroll High School, just north of Lancaster, right down there on 33. And then uh, was able able enough and lucky enough to, to land the job back in Mechanicsburg in 2010. And I've been here ever since. So got to come back home and uh, enjoyed it, loved it. And and accepted the challenge of, uh, of what we had going and trying to take the next step. And we're working like crazy to get there still. Well, that's fantastic, Coach. And I, I will say from, from an outsider's point of view, I mean, you, I mean, and you talk to everybody, like you've done a, a, fair, a very good job there at Mechanicsburg building a program. And um, what do you kind of attribute to the success you've had there? Because, I mean, we talked off air about you playing in the state semis um, and kind of the run you've been on over the past couple of years, what, what, what do you kind of attribute to the success that you've developed there? Uh, I mean, the first thing is Mechanicsburg is a football town. It has football-minded type people here. Um, you know, from the time Neil Kazner took over in 99, I think, you know, our statisticians told us that they were like 176 and, and like 60-something, you know, something along those rounds. So, so Coach Kaz came into 99 and kind of rebuilt a program. Then he left after uh, the, the 2005 season. Um, then we had a nice run through 2008 that spanned two more coaches, um, you know, three more coaches all the way through 2009, I guess. Um, and, then, and then I came back in 2010, and then that kind of that run, that era kind of hit a low point. And 2010, 11, and 12 were rough years. Um, you know, we weren't the most talented group. 
but we made up for our lack of talent by being uh, small and had low numbers. <laughs> so, uh, so we really had to kind of start over. Uh, but at the end of the day, we had tough kids and we got a, a tough minded community um, and that they're willing to work and they're, and they're willing to be pushed and they're willing to be challenged. Uh, so, you know, the old chip on the shoulder type community of wanting to go out and prove we're better than somebody, I think that's here. Um, so in 2013, we were kind of able to, to kick in the door and finally uh, get to the state semifinals and get past that regional final game. <clears throat> and then uh, from 2013 on, it's kind of been a heck of a run. You know, in, in those eight, nine years, we've been in the, the regional finals or further, uh, five of those eight years, eight, nine years. Um, so it's it's been a good run. But I, I, see, I say it's just flat out the kids' toughness and, and the way the community thinks and the way the community uh, respects the game of football. But that being said, um, we don't have a bunch of numbers. You know, our numbers have been low. Um, We've been somewhere in between, you know, that 13, that 2013 group, we joked, we called them the dirty 30. I think we were dressing 26, 27 kids when we stepped on the field for the state semifinals up in Wapa, Canada, uh, up there. So, so we've had to make do with what we have, but we don't look for excuses. Uh, we just look for the, uh, what we can do, and then we go out and do our best to do it. And at the end of the day, um, we're willing to say that, that we're going to show up and fight you, and then whatever happens, happens. And that, you know, we know darn well we're not going to win every game, but but we're willing to go out there and compete and, and to fight. And, and I think once kids understand that and believe in that, um, that they get over that fear of failure, that fear of losing, and just say, dude, as long as I go put my best foot forward and, and I go fight with everything in me, then uh, what else you want me to do? Like, it's okay. Yeah. Um, how much have has, has have your – I'll go this direction next. How much of your offensive and defensive systems morphed over that 10-year period that you've been there? Obviously, your numbers are fairly low. you got to kind of adapt to what you got. But how much has they truly changed, or is it kind of small adaptations year to year? Uh, I'd say it's been small adaptation, adaptations. Yeah, there we go. Uh, a little bit of small changes throughout the years. Uh, we've based, you know, my background, like I said, coming from Wittenberg and being, you know, kind of educated in football uh, they were a big eye formation school when I was in college. You know, your your good old power, ISO, toss, trap, counter, you know, all those type of things. Um, but then we were able to change change with the times as, as we we got an a really athletic quarterback from 13 through 16. You know, he's now a wrestler at Ohio State, Caleb Romero's young man's name. He was a running back growing up <clears throat> through uh, through the, the youth leagues and junior high, and we moved him to quarterback in his eighth grade year. Um, so we still kept all the same schemes, you know, where this is headed. You know, we started doing a lot of the the, the power read, um, the counter read, the tray read, the zone read, you know, all that type stuff. And then we started getting into some more of the single wing stuff, uh, just putting him back there himself and just running it, um, just just using him out of some empty formations where we would put tight end wing on one side and then we're going to put trip squeeze on the other. And we're going to find a way to get a numbers advantage somewhere, somehow, somehow. Um, so we would use, you know, a million different formations to run the same, the same power scheme that everybody else in the world runs or the same, run the same pin pull scheme or to run the same inside zone scheme with a kick out, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, so we, we don't necessarily change up our schemes a ton. You know, I'd, I'd say our biggest change was going from a big time power toss team to uh, now buck sweep uh, is probably our number one um, play. Uh, and we can do that a thousand different ways, but we're going to give you a bunch of different formations and a bunch of play actions off of it to kind of dress it up so you can't overload one thing. Uh, so I'd say those that's kind of the biggest way. We'll use a ton of unbalanced. So it, there's really – we don't try to pigeonhole ourselves uh, formationally at all. Like 
Uh, we probably, you know, if somebody broke down our film, you know, your, our list of formations would probably be 20 times longer than our list of plays, I'm sure. Now, uh, we, we did talk a little about that on, on the phone. Um, when you're doing formational stuff, because I know, I know how much you like to do that and mess with people, which is fantastic. I love formations as well. Is it more tag-oriented or is it more name of each formation? How did you approach that? Um, it, it's, I know it's kind of a cop-out answer, but it's kind of both. Okay. Um, you know, we, we do name them, but each, each kind of formation is built out of a family. So, you know, it might be, you know, for example, you know, good old I formation to us way back in the day was just Rob and Lynn. You know, Rob is tied in and flanker to the, to the right and split into the left. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, you got Rob trips, Rob spread, you know, and then Rob all of a sudden became Ram and Ram, you know, now the, now the Y's off the ball and the Z's on the ball. And then you, now you have your Ram trips, Ram spread. Well, now we're going to squeeze all the receivers together. Now it's Ram trip squeeze, you know, so, so there's a lot of tags, but it's also born out of a family that's named as well. Okay. So, so there's a little bit of both. And then you get into your unbalanced stuff and all of a sudden you get six, seven tags and you're like, what are we doing here? Like, like my quarterback's like, please don't make me say that. <laughs> so, uh, so we, so like, you know, then, then we just start coming up with, with R and L names, you know, rocket laser, Roger, Louie, you know, whatever it may be that we're doing, just lots of R's and L's. And we'll use directional things too, like East, West, um, you know, not, it's nothing earth shattering. It's just ways to categorize your, your plays and give them a family to belong to. Okay. Now also going back to that, the buck sweep, um, it, would you consider yourself just dabbling in some like wing T stuff and pulling stuff here and there, or have you bought into more of the system and I'm going to take, do a lot of it and then dabble in some other stuff since you've transferred from that I formation stuff. Yeah. And, and it's probably unfair to say, you know, I'd, I'd say basically we've added the buck sweep okay. to the I formation schemes that we use. Um, if you looked at us formationally, we use a lot of tight ends and wings. So people don't know what the calls because we're not, you know, people think of spread. They think of no tight ends. They think of quarterback, you know, one back, four receivers. Um, and we're going to use a tight end and a wing. Sometimes, you know, our shotgun one back stuff has, you know, one receiver, sometimes no receivers. Um, but if you look at the actual schemes that we're running, it's it's going to be Buck Sweep trying to be number one. Then you're going to look at, at our power game. And then you're going to look at our trap game and our ISO game. And then, uh, you know, what I call toss, you know, is our weak side outside play. It's basically a pin pull type system. Um, and then outside zone um, would probably be, you know, and that's about six, seven. Um, something we do, though, is, is we have a strong side of our line and a quick side of our line. You know, we flip our sides of the line, which I know isn't, um, you know, it used to be popular more in the olden days and people kind of got away from that. But with our low numbers, what I found is that it's <clears throat> is it's really helped our kids get a ton, ton of reps and, and it's helped them learn is when they hear power, they know that they're either on the gap side or they're, they're on the, the, the pool side. Um, you know, when they hear buck sweep, when they hear sweep, they know that they're either the play side or the backside every single time. Um, and it's allowed us to get a ton of reps at it. Obviously you have to learn right and left, but you're either front side or, you know, you're either play side or backside every single time. So then, then it puts the onus on me as the play caller to make sure that we don't become predictable with where our strong side and quick side is lining up to make sure that we stay balanced um, um, from that aspect of it. Okay. Uh, that's, um, I'm always curious about that. And to your point, I think the strong, strong and quick side slowly coming back. Like we do strong, quick side. I know a couple of schools that do strong, quick side. This is actually the second school in a row I've been to that's had a strong and quick side. So I think that's trending back. I think and part of it to your point, I think is, is 
low numbers and increasing reps. Like that's how you offset that is just, oh, simplify and just, okay, you're just always to the call, you're always away from the call or you're on these plays. And so I think it's, it's, a, it's a simplified way. I mean, while I was at Elgin, we ran for 4,900 yards doing, going back and forth, so. No, absolutely. Once once your kids get used to it, once you get used to it as a play caller, I think there's a lot of advantages to it, especially at the at the smaller school level. You know, I, I think we steal so many reps um, just because the kids don't have to learn front side, back side. They just they just don't have to do it. Now, from coaching at at, at Mechanicsburg, a smaller school for a while, where do you have typically have your biggest depth issues? Out of curiosity. Our biggest depth issues, uh, you know, to, from my standpoint, are the skill positions. Um, you know, I, th- I think we do a good job when we have you know tougher kids that are willing to go fight and block and put their hand in the dirt and, and line up. And, 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 you know, we do board drills, you know, almost every single day in practice um, throughout my tenure. So everybody knows how to put their hand in the dirt and, and go block a man over. But the skill difference from your first string guys to your second string guys um, can be absolutely enormous. You know, so what, what your starting X receiver, what his capabilities might be uh, 20 times his backup. Um, you know, like where, you know, your strong tackle might be a kid who's a physically dominant kid, but the next kid that you put in there is at least going to be able to get in the way of the kid and then have an idea of what he's doing. But that X receiver, that tailback or that quarterback, they, they, you know, those kids that are, you know, they're technically their backups might not be in the same stratosphere as them, you know, athletically or talent wise when you only have 30 kids, um, okay. you know, cause by the time you take your top 13, 14 kids and you spread them so thin, um, you know, that drop-off can be gigantic. Okay. Now, you mentioned – I want to go back to Buck Sweep real quick. Um, mm-hmm. And you mentioned play action off of it. Do you do, like, any RPOs or any of that stuff off of it, or is it just solely, like, play action fakes? Oh, no, absolutely. We definitely RPO it. Um, and, and we're a team that likes to formationally try to get you to the edge. We're a big add-a-gap team. Okay. So, you know, our number one formation to run our buck sweep is like a trip squeeze. So we got three guys to the bunch and those guys for the most part are all going to be just gap down type guys. And we're going to try to get both of our guards outside of them. So on the backside, you know, a lot of times we'll put the single receiver to the field. You're not giving away any secrets. You make coaches against this knows this. Um, and you obviously your ex receivers usually got you got a double team. Um, so we'll put a guy out there and, you know, we're on sweep slant, we're on sweep curl, we're on sweep. Uh, we'll, run, we'll run a sweep with a with a backside uh, tunnel screen to the one receiver, um, RPO it off of it. Um, we'll go two receivers tightened in on the backside, run a flat curl concept um, off of our sweep game that hits real quick, almost like a pop. It's basically a bubble with a with a quick curl that's I mean, you know, eight yards away from the quarterback. Um, so it turns into a pop pass with a with a flat route, just a little flat curl read on the backside if you're going to play us in a three deep look and kind of put your flat defender in a bad situation that way. Uh, we've had a lot of success with that over the years, a ton of success with that one. It's one of our go-to stables that, hey, when we're kind of at a loss, we can sweep you one way and flat curl you on the backside and kind of figure out where the weakness is because you can't put people everywhere. Okay. Now, in terms of figuring out weaknesses, how, how, how do, when you start looking at people, and like I said, you don't have to give away any trade secrets here, um, <laughs> When you, when you start looking at people, what are you kind of looking for when you're breaking down somebody's defense? Like, what like is there something that you have to, like, find or stand out? Obviously, at your level, you, I mean, because I've coached Division six, Division seven as well. Like, everybody's got a, 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 a 
somebody they're hiding on defense. Hell, you might be hiding <laughs> two or th- you might depending on the year you might be hiding two or three. But yeah, um, there's no doubt. But uh, uh, yeah, what are you looking uh, for? Obviously, if, if if we think there's a position we can attack, um, we will. But I'd say the number one thing is that when we're lining up and we're when we're starting to look at things is where can we get a numbers advantage. And, and what are your adjustments to formations is where can we finally get a numbers advantage? And if you, if you're not going to give us a numbers advantage, what is the one matchup that we think we can win? Okay. Like, you know, we might not have, you know, five stud receivers, but we might have two or three. So if you're not going to give us the numbers game to this side of the field, then maybe we can get a one-on-one matchup on the backside or in the slot, we can get a, you know, one of our slot guys one-on-one with your safeties. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, we have a, we have a chance for a big play that way. Um, but our number one thing is we're looking for a numbers advantage somewhere. I don't think we're unique in that. I think everybody's looking for numbers advantages there. And then after that is, is what's our best matchup in the passing game is, is can we get so-and-so, you know, one-on-one with this kid, you know, maybe tip making's moving your X into the slot or maybe, you know, whatever you got to do formationally to, to get that. Um, so we try to get our, our best running play going one way and then some of our best pass plays uh, going vertical or, or sprint out back the other way. Um, to try to stretch the, the field as thin as we can and then try to have a double move off every one of our bread and butter pass plays. To, so when you start jumping it and you start getting aggressive on it, here comes our home run shot. And then our other play action game is when you start getting overly aggressive to stopping the sweep or stopping whatever we're running that night is if you're, we're going to make you commit that flat defender hardcore and we're going to throw the ball over his head or if we can, God forbid, get you to roll a safety down in there hardcore, then, then now we're, now we're, now we're, now we're going to start the band on you. So. Uh, that's that's kind of what we're looking for. Okay. Now you now I, I want to add some one more thing. Like you mentioned formations in there. How much shifting or motion do you add on top of that? Because as somebody who we, who does tags well, that can get a little wordy, as you kind of mentioned. So how much do you also try to incorporate that into also with your formational stuff? Um, very little to be honest. Uh, you know, growing up. You know, obviously we only have so much practice time with, with our guys and they've got to be special teams, defense, offense. And now I've got them learning four different new formations each week. Um, is that's kind of where I've drawn the line. You know, I know some of our assistant coaches would like to use some more motions or shifts and some things like that. And I'm not necessarily against it, but we found out through the years that we haven't invested enough time in that part yet. And when you start shifting, you start motioning. Uh, we found out that our kids tend to jump off sides a lot. <laughs> so, so, uh, so we've had, we've had some issues with that. Um, and, and I get frustrated real quick and you know, I'm, I'm uh, to hell with that. Let's be good at what we do and, and uh, not mess with it. So it's something I've always wanted to do more of, to be honest, because I do think motioning and shifting at our level, um, can give you some huge advantages. Uh, but at the same time, you know, how much time are you willing to invest in it? And we we have chosen other things to invest in and over that, so we haven't done much of it. Okay. Um, as you mentioned practice there, how do you? I mean, because I mean, not everybody's experienced this, but how much? How do you break up your practices? Because when you're talking small school ball, you're one. You got staff members that are coaching probably both sides of the ball. At least most of them are, most likely. And then at the same time, all your kids are going both ways outside of maybe your quarterback, depending on the situation. But even then, he's probably practicing defense. So um, how much – how do you structure your practice throughout the week to make sure you're getting everything in, getting all the, getting enough, good enough looks? So how, what does that kind of look? Do you have an offensive defense day? Do you split a 50-50? How do you – I mean, how much time do you spend on special teams, et cetera? Um, 
throughout the week, Monday will be a uh, Monday is going to be an team offense, team defense. Uh, we might do the kicking part of special teams on Monday, uh, but it's just going to be strictly team stuff. You know, on Monday, make sure they understand what they're doing, make sure they understand the adjustments. Uh, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday's defensive day, and then we'll do a team offense at the end of that. And then Wednesday we flip, or Wednesday's offense, and then we'll do team defense at the end of that as well. Uh, Thursday we'll do both again, where we'll cut off, cut out some of the drills. We'll shorten it down, but we'll still be full pads. We'll still be physical. Um, we're still going to have a good practice, you know, that day. Um, I know some kids that have, um, you know, moved into our district that started playing for us were, were shocked at how how we wore full pads on Thursdays and still hit each other a little bit there, which I, you know, our kids are like, this is normal. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so yeah, we pride ourselves on being physical and going to work every day and, and, and making sure that we're ready to go. But I think we try to steal reps. Once again, you know, you're gonna hear me say steal reps, um, is, you know, we're going to do a drill where we get in and this is going to be an outside run period, which I know isn't necessarily earth shattering, but it's just gonna be no huddle called and we're going to run sweep you know, 10 times in a row as hard and as fast as we can. And then we're going to run our toss, you know, what I call toss or pin pull the other way as hard and as fast as we can, you know. And then when we get in the team, maybe our focus that day is all inside or it's just going to be a ton of gap scheme. So our strong side, which we usually gap to our strong side, um, not exclusively, but most of the time, um, then we, those kids are going to get a ton of double teams that day. Um, you know, on defense, we're a, we're a big zone, you know, zone blitz team. So we have a, a you know straight up zone blitz period before we get the team. What whatever you're going to be good at, you better spend some time at, and you better get a bunch of reps at. I mean, once again, this is a rocket science, um, but I think we do a good job of stealing reps and finding a way to get as many reps as possible. We do a lot of group stuff, a lot of group stuff. Uh, we don't do as much individual. Um, that way, we can get a couple coaches together, and with lower numbers, it's hard to do a bunch of individuals. So we do group stuff. We can kind of service each other. And we can kind of take, we, we, we are big picture thinking, and then we kind of, you know, really hammer it down to the individuals. Um, but those individuals are stuff that we, we hammer all summer. So by the time we get to, to game week, then now all of a sudden that we're able to do what we want to do that way. Okay. Um, you, you mentioned zone blitz there. So out of curiosity, does that mean you run a lot of cover three behind it? Or do you try to, how do you try to attack people? Just sit in cover three or man or? Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been a big three under three over team. Okay, um, you know, and we'll we'll have our you know our field pressure, our boundary pressure, our inside pressure, um, and then we'll come up with different fronts and different ways to do it, um, and different people doing those blitzes. So you know, we can kind of uh, pigeonhole like, okay, like you're going to be a you know a, a skiff player, you're going to be a low hole player, you know, you're going to be the boundary drop in player of, of of what we're doing that way. And then we have our three D players, like, are you the middle third, or are you a are you an outside third player? And then we kind of break down the details of each. And then every time a kid has to be something different, we can switch them into that group. All right, little hole guys over here. And then they have to worry about, okay, if it's two by two, this is how we, this is how our eyes work in two by two. This is how our eyes work in three by one. This is how our eyes work versus two back. Um, so now all those little hole guys, they might be playing four different positions, but they all go to their low hole group real quick. And bam, they're getting low hole groups. Bam, 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 bam. And then the guys that are, you know, a skiff player over here, they're all going to go get those reps real quick. No matter where they're coming from, at the end of the day, they're in there at the same spot and have to learn the same things. So you might have a defensive end, a safety, and an inside linebacker, you know, all in one group together working. So sometimes our coaches have individual positions, but they also have a zone blitz position of you're teaching low hole, you're teaching skiff, you're teaching deep third. Um, and so we've done that at times, and, and I think that's helped us. Okay. Uh, and I kind of want to hit like two more things before we go. Um, 
I wanted to get back because you because you said you're multi. I mean, not said you are multi-formational <laughs> on um, offense. How much does stuff like that, like being aggressive and being multi-formational and kind of being trying to outnumber opponents at spots, transition to say special teams? Are you very basic there? To maximize uh, practice time, or do you try to carry some of that stuff over there as it come more of a team philosophy? Yeah, we, you know, I think if you over the years, I don't think our, our pump formations only changed once in 12 years. Um, you know, we find something that we believe we have the answers to and that we're good at. And then if you try to overload us, we, we, we have some built in fakes that we can run if we choose to. Um, but it's something we practice over and over and over again, and we're going to be good at it. Uh, now, that doesn't mean, you know, that we won't throw a wrinkle in here or there when we see something that we can attack. We, we definitely do that. But basically, we have, you know, we have one kick return. We have one, you know, we have one punt team. We have one field goal extra point. And then uh, we have our answers built off of those things um, to where if you overload one side or the other side, we have an answer for that. So I don't feel bad sitting here telling everybody, hey, we only got one of them. But it's kind of like that, you know, the old school offensive formations. We only have one formation, but we feel we have every answer. Okay. And that's kind of how we are on special teams right now is, is that we, we only do this one thing, but we, we believe when something goes wrong, we know what the answer is. Um, and you're, you better be pretty good at what you're doing to take advantage of what we're doing. Okay. And the last thing, I, I'm always curious about this. How, I mean, because at a small school, your middle school feeder is always extremely important. How, how, how involved are you down there in terms of, not, not, not necessarily the system, but being around, being in the middle school hallways? How, I mean, how involved, like how was your process to recruit the current kids that are down there and new kids to Joint for the high school. Yeah, I would say throughout the school year in the recruiting process of, of, of those junior high kids, like for example, I just I just met with all the sixth grade boys, you know, in our school at one time. Like, you know, that's we have one school building here in Mechanicsburg, and the junior high hallway is right below me. So, like, I, I you know I emailed the sixth grade teacher, said, hey, you know, when can I get? I want all the sixth grade boys together and get me some FaceTime with them to have a chance to go talk to them. And then you know, the, thankfully, I worked with great people. And they said, hey, this time would be best for us. They said, come on down at this time. We can give you a half hour to talk to them, recruit them, and uh, try to get some information from them. And, and it goes great. Um, you know, I, I get to go down into the, into the hallway, talk to them. I can see them at lunch. I can see them whenever. Um, so, so therefore, you know, it's, it's lucky from that, that angle. But um, no matter how much face time you get, no matter how much time you get to recruit them, you know, kids still have to be willing to come out and put in the work and do the things. And, and in today's society, you know, obviously we're all fighting some of the same things, all the social media stuff, all the video game stuff. There's a million TV channels to watch after school. You know, there's there's a million different things that kids want to do. So you got to make sure that, A, they're hearing the right things. Amazing kind of some of the horror stories that, that kids, you know, think and hear about junior high and high school football. Like, guys, like, where'd you hear that? Like, that's simply not true. Like, like you know, we're not we're not running 100 100 yard sprints, guys, every day. Like that's, like that's that doesn't happen, guys. Like I don't know who's telling you this stuff, but that's simply not true. So, so you kind of got to dispel as many myths as you do as you promote your program and let them know what you're actually about. All right, uh, coaches. Anybody interested in reaching out to a Coach? Um, his contact email will be in the bio uh, for people to reach out to. Um, coach is one of the smart ones and not having social media, so he's he's made the good life choice there and. Stayed away from all that. So, um, but if you want to get reach out to coach and kind of find more about what he does, or maybe talk to him about film or any other offense or defensive stuff, um, you can reach to him in the email below. Uh, thank you again, coach, for your time.